Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So we've been in this series, Anxious for Nothing, and how many have had your anxiety level drop since we started? Anybody over here? I feel a little anxiety over here. Yeah. Some of you are anxious about answering the question. Yeah. If you uh, hear my heart, it would would really matter to me. Uh, I've been doing this for 40 plus years now. And I know when a uh, sermon hits us, sometimes we forget it by the time we hit the parking lot or we eat our first taco. I would pray that Philippians 4 would not be a passage in the Bible that you would neglect. All of your life, if the sermon fades or you can't remember the title or you can't remember that I uh, gave credit to Max Lucado in his book, Anxious for Nothing, I would pray from the depth of my soul that Philippians 4 would be a part of the fabric of your life, that you would rejoice in the Lord always and when you're done, rejoice again, that you would Lean in on God, that you would ask him for help, that you would leave all your concerns at the feet of Jesus, that you would meditate upon good things, things that are true and praiseworthy and right. It would just become a part of who you are. And at the end of that section, Paul says these words, practice what you've learned from you. Practice it. Put it into practice. Realize it in your, your lives. And I want to talk today about focus. Focus on what is good. Let's just say that. Focus on what is good. Focus, let's say it. Focus on what, what is good. You know, in uh, Salzburg, Austria, they did a study that nearly 40% of the pedestrians injured in their city happened because they were distracted. They were watching their smartphones instead of focusing Now, this is an airbag around a light pole. And some of you are reading where it says auto, and you're already inferring. And here's what it means. Will the next car also be so well padded? Because people in Salzburg are walking off the curb into the street being hit by cars as they're distracted from the focus on what they should Will the next car be as well padded? Honolulu has just passed a law of all places, Honolulu. Ever been there, anybody? Honolulu, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very busy at Honolulu. All hours of day or night, very busy. One of the top tourist uh, destinations of people from Asia. They love it. And they watch when when the yen is up against the dollar, and they come, and they buy stuff in Honolulu. And here's the new law in Honolulu. It is illegal to be on your cell phone while you're in a crosswalk. Some of you are having convulsions at the thought. (laughs) Could you imagine putting your cell phone, not looking at a text? The true story, I almost hit somebody recently on H Street. They were jaywalking, and they were doing this. I thought, dear Lord, thank you that I wasn't doing this while I was driving. 
I am guilty of it on occasion. Actually, about a year ago, one of our police officers did this to me. Because I was pulling out of, right here, right out of the alley, go to, and I got a text, and I just, just for a moment, right, quick response, and they happen to be, they stop. Many of you know I am their chaplain, <clears throat> of which they said later on, that was the warning, next time, the ticket, yeah. So we've been talking about being calm. Remember what it means, celebrate God's goodness, ask God for help. Leave our concerns with God and meditate on, on good things. So let's read Philippians 4, 4 to 7 with our best 1131, he better hurry up voice. Okay, here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is, the Lord is, the Lord is, come on. Be anxious for, be anxious for. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which will guard minds in Christ Jesus. And if you're here last week, I apologize for my drawing of the human brain. Okay. <laughs> Several people actually sent me emails of what one should look like. I thought that was, thank you, yay. Now, we go on in Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, fix, come on, fix your thoughts on whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is. Think about things that are excellent or worthy of praise. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put, put, Put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You can sit and pray all day. God of peace be with me. And God will say, when are you going to put this into practice? So you want to live your life in such a way that you give God something to amen. And in church sometimes you're like, amen, amen. You want to give God something to amen. And when you start thinking the right way and focusing on the right things and believing the right things and rejoicing in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, God says, boy, I can bless that. I can amen that. And I will bring my peace to your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. But there's work for you to do. There's always something. So we do what we can do, and then God does what only he can do. We do our little part. Oh, I'm going to think this way. And then God says, good, I'll give you peace. But when your mind is filled with stinking thinking, like we talked about last week, it's impossible for your heart to have any real peace. To be anxious for nothing, you have to decide in your notes in advance where you will center and fix your mind. The word fix, the word fix is the word legizomai. Now, I love that word because it means to take an inventory, to count, to give careful thought to consider, to focus, to be fixed. Not like I'm going to walk into a light pole any moment or I'm going to fall off the curb any moment. I know the direction of my life. I know who I believe in. I'm persuaded he's able and I'm focused upon him. I am fixed. I am fixed. Gentleman lifted his hands to God. He said, Lord, I'm so grateful I've not had one anxious thought today. I've not worried. I've not doubted. My lips have been filled with praise. But Lord, I've only been awake three minutes. 
and I'm about to put my foot on the floor and start my day. Would you help me to fix my eyes on you, my heart on you, my mind upon truth? I decide in advance where I am going to put my heart and my mind and my focus. So here's a great question. Where are you placing your careful, considered, and focused thought? And I use those words deliberately, careful, considered, and focused thought. Where, where are you placing it? What occupies your mind? Who gets to speak into your mind? Well, the first thing is, if you don't, number one, control what you think, you will never control what you do. Control what you think so you can control what you do. See, part of fixing your mind is choosing what to fix your mind upon. Last week we said we get to pick what we ponder. We get to choose what's in here. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Somebody says, what are you thinking about? Oh, really bad stuff. Well, why? You know why? Because you're allowing yourself to think about really bad stuff. You can start changing your mind. Your mind can be renewed. Verse uh, Five, uh, chapter 5, verse 7 of 1 Peter says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this verse. I think uh, Paul and Peter are kind of cousins when it comes to how they're teaching us how to think and how to believe. This verse says to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In other words, no one is disqualified from coming to the Lord with anything. Let me say it again. No one is disqualified from coming to the Lord with anything. Well, I don't want to bother the God of the universe with this little problem. If it's a problem to you, he cares about it. Don't believe the lie that says, well, I don't need to pray about that. I'll just, I'll just live it. I'll, just get, I'll, I'll get through this on my own. No, 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 no. Ask God for help is the A in calm. You bring everything to the Lord. I mean, if, it, if it's on your mind, if you're thinking about it and it's not a good thought, then you bring it to the Lord. And if it's a good plan about your future, you don't want to plan on your own. You want the Lord to be in your plans and you want your plans to succeed. So you just basically bring everything. God, here's my day. Here's my month. Here's my life. Here's my future. Here's what I'm facing. Uh, this is, oh, I just got orders. Here's my next duty station, Lord. I, I, I'm, I, I, I pray about when I arrive there that you give me favor. You keep my mind focused on you. That I find other believers to hang out with and, and learn from. And I, I find a good church wherever I go. God, I am thinking about you and your ways and your will in my life. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, the word, the word cast has to do with the fact that you're not to carry. You cast, but you don't carry. It's on your notes, but you could write it down. I'm going to cast and, and not carry. So in, in, inside this little jar here, I've got some tennis balls. And this one's hope. So if you need hope, I'll give you one in a, in a minute. Uh, this, 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 this one is hope. I want this. This one is love. What the world needs now. What's love got to do? I love, I love, I'm going to put it right there. This is peace. May the peace of Christ rule my heart and mind. So, so I want this. But as we go about life, life sends you stuff. I mean, there's stuff that comes your way every single cotton-picking day, right? I mean, it's coming. And you ever want to say, Lord, bring it on? You know, bring it on? Yeah, bring it on. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Wow, I'm two for two. Hang on a second. Oh, this is calm. 
I want this. But wait a minute, this is anxiety. Do you want, let, let's talk about it for a while. Now, here's what we usually do. We coddle and we cuddle our stuff. And the minute somebody comes to us, we'll ask them something like this. How you doing? They'll say, well, 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 let me top that because I got anxiety. I told somebody recently, I was sitting with somebody, I said, yeah, I got the, my knee's been bugging me a little bit. On, oh, that's nothing. My elbow, my sacroiliac, my, you know, my blood pressure, uh, you know. And it's almost like you want to say this, you're fine, how am I? And uh, instead of that, because, but do you want me to tell you why I'm anxious? You want to hear about my, no, you don't. Anxiety, okay. And then and you're walking through life, and, and, and more stuff keeps coming your way. Here, oh, here comes some more. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. More stuff. Wait a minute. Now, do you notice what I did? I just put that in my pocket. I didn't even find out what it was. It's another anxiety. Are you kidding me? But right here, oh, thank the Lord. This is truth. Truth. Jesus said, you shall know the, the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So I got anxiety. I got two anxieties right here. And, uh, and you're walking out through life, and then more comes your way. It's just, isn't it sad when more comes your way? Oh, here comes some more. I got a feeling. <laughs> I got a feeling. Oh, look at this. Should, wait, should I, should I filter it first? This is doubt. Oh, do you know what the word cast means? To aggressively or abruptly fling. Fling. Doubt. Worry. Well, I kind of like worry because, no, really. It gives me a reason to feel the way I feel and an excuse. Well, you're feeling heavy today. Bernie, you feel a little heavy today. Well, because uh, I got some worry about the future. Huh? Worry. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't even check what's in my pocket. Oh, man, more anxiety. Uh, 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 to fling? How? I knocked the remote control off the wall just now. <laughs> to fling abruptly. Wait a minute. Oh, here's grace. What do I need? I, I need some grace. What? Wait, wait, wait. Faith. Oh, man, thank you. Win. He's throwing me good stuff. Oh, wait, another anxiety. Who needs some anxiety? You want it? You want anxiety? Get out of here. You don't want anxiety. Here. Here, you want to give it to me? Look at that. She, she fling abruptly. She knew what to do. Just like that. Now, what's in here? I've got grace. I've got truth. I've got peace like a river. I have faith. I have love. I have hope. I have calm. I want to cuddle and I want to coddle. What's here now? Now listen, you came to church and said, we went to church to pass you through tennis balls. <laughs> oh, I wish you would throw your fears and your doubts and your worries and your anxiety. Here's the command of scripture. Fling them abruptly. Without, listen, I'm going to go deeper with this word. Without consideration. Just fling them. You already know that they're not to be yours. They're not the way that Jesus wants you to walk in or Jesus wants you to live in. And he goes on to say, of course, be sober, be alert, be of sober mind. 
1 Peter 5, 7. And what we saw last week was that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. You have God's truth or Satan's lies. You decide what you want. I'll never amount to anything. Our marriage is stuck. It will never get better. I will be single and miserable the rest of my life. By the way, if you're single and you really want to hook up with somebody, you could hook up with somebody and be miserable, more miserable the rest of your life if you get the wrong person. By the way, this, this is a true story from somebody. She was alone. She met a guy. He was a scammer and a flim-flammer and a shammer, and she believed it. She was so desperate for a man. And she said to me, Pastor, what have I done? I ruined my life. I got this guy. I can't get rid of him. He's costing me tens of thousands of dollars. I am a fool. I said, no, you're not a fool. She said, what do I do? I said, run. Fling him. Abruptly. Yeah, yeah. Don't be violent. Just fling him out. Yeah. <laughs> So be alert and be the sober mind. 1 Peter 5.8 Your enemy, the devil, catch this, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, if you've been in church or you study the Bible, you know that lions only roar when they're trying to assert their power to show you how, how powerful they are or when they're hungry. And he's seeking someone to, to, to devour. Now, he says be alert and be a sober mind. When you know there's a lion in the land, you will be hypervigilant. When you do, you know, we've gotten those alerts before, escapee from the prison. What do you do? Everybody on the side of the road is him. Come on. And you're hypervigilant. And you lock your doors a little more. Come on. That's what you do. Years ago, before we had um, kids, Debbie and I went to Sequoia. And uh, we went, now she came from a camping family, an outdoors kind of girl, and she could start fire with two sticks and, and all that stuff. Uh, me, I'm a city boy. Uh, I, I went to church camp and saw one bear. Well, we went to uh, Sequoia. We had our tent and our four-wheel drive lifted truck. It was pretty cool, man. It was a 70 Chevy. I wish I had it today. They're worth money now. And it was four-wheel drive, lifted truck with a gun rack. I didn't even have a gun, but it came that way. So I, I left it in there. And uh, she made me uh, curtains out of Hawaiian fabric. Uh, it was so cool, man. No kids. Just, you know, wearing my puka shells. Driving down, you know, <laughs> driving down. And so we go, to, we go to Sequoia. And she says something to me that was fascinating. She said, um, they have bears here. I'd seen, I saw a bear at camp once, a black bear, rummaging through the trash can. No big guy. Big deal, right? So it's late at night, this, and this is exactly how it happened. It's late at night, and she has to go to the restroom. So I'm, come on. Newly married dude, man. Honey, let me take you out. I got my light, flashlight. I had my Bowie knife stuck to my... <laughs> I don't know what I was going to do with it, but I had it there. And arm in arm, we walked to the women's restroom, and and I'm looking around at the trees, big old sequoia redwoods. I mean, they're beautiful. God made them incredible. I'm looking around, and I got my light up at an angle, and all of a sudden, I see the eyes of something, which I thought was maybe like a raccoon, because we had raccoons where I lived, and I thought maybe raccoon. It was a bear, and he was standing up. And I heard this, 
just like that. I'm going, I don't know which end it came out of, but it was a bear. And, and, and no exaggeration, 0. 0.0001 seconds, I was in the restroom. The women's restroom. And I was saying, if there's any ladies in here, I apologize now. And I just heard Debbie say, I'm the only one in here. I said, no, honey, I came here to make sure you're safe. <laughs> and true story, as we walked back, I cared about her safety. But I really, really, really cared about mine. <laughs> and, and we walked really quickly. I mean, faster than we should. And the rest of our time there, promise, this is so true. The rest of our time there, I was hypervigilant. We had a little Coleman stove with the pump, with the white gas. Come on. Making bacon and eggs. Now, you're supposed to put your food in the special lock, bear tight container. I was afraid that there would be a bear in the forest in the morning who would come and maul me to steal my bacon. I just had a feeling he was going. Why? Because I am alert and sober of mind. Because the enemy's out there. And I saw the enemy, and I saw the whites of his eyes. And I'm so glad that I was safe from that bear and that there were no other women in the bathroom. <laughs> hey, the moral of the story is, when you're out there, by the way, we're all out there. We're going out in the field. We're going to the highways, the byways, the marketplace, the base place. We're, we're all going back to real life in just a few minutes. And there's a roaring lion out there seeking whose mind he may devour. If you want to win your spiritual battle, you have to think about what you think about. Because the devil is trying to push into your brain and into your focus everything he wants in there and everything he wants then to overload your heart. Proverbs 23.7. What's it say? Let's read it. For as a person, so is he. By the way, this is not just for boys. That, that, that word is not gender specific. As a woman thinks she is in her mind, so is she. As a young lady thinks about herself, so is she. I'm not beautiful. Nobody will want me. I'll just settle for anyone who comes along. So is she. Husband tells his wife, I sure love you, baby. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. And she goes, yeah, go on. Now, she's not just joking. She's resigned to her, her, her place of thought that she's not all that. And he's trying to affirm her, and he's got a tall order because she won't have it. Or you tell a young man, you're really something. You're going to, see, I had those two guys, I mean, Joss and Chase. They're going to amount to lots. I just know it. But you know what? I don't want to just say they're going to amount to lots because they got 4.5s. Or because they serve, I want them to hear from their pastor, hey, you guys, God has a plan for your life, and it's a good one. Don't you dare deny his plan. Don't you dare settle for less than God's best for your life. Don't you dare give up on the dreams that God's placed in your heart. People need to hear us speak the truth in love to them when they screw up, but they also need to hear us speak the truth in love when they do well. Come on, man. If I was a preacher, anyway. But they want you to, they, want you to, they need to hear it. People need truthful affirmation because we have enough negativity as it is. A little boy tell me, he's in the fifth grade. He said, Pastor, my, at my school, man, kids say all kinds of stuff. 
When the teachers aren't around and nobody's looking, and we're sitting at the lunch table eating our potato chips, kids are saying all kinds of stuff to each other. They're nasty, they're dirty, they're mean, they're bullying. I mean, it's going on all the time. And I said, well, what do you say to kids? He says, I just tell them good stuff. Like, I like your shoes. I said, that's a good one. That'll work. You know, I'm glad you're in my class. I'm glad you're on my team. Hey, you want to play basketball at, at, at lunch? You come with me. And I said, you set the example. And he said, that's what I'm trying to do. But not everybody's doing that. Listen, we should be the affirmers of people in life. And when we catch somebody doing something bad, we should speak the truth in love to correct them. When we catch somebody doing something good, we should praise them and speak affirmation to their soul. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. So here's the question. What's the number one negative mental thought that you have? Now, I didn't want to write this down because I knew if I did, I'd have to read it three times this morning. What is the number one negative mental thought that you have that keeps going on in your head? Here's a little homework for you. You should define what that is, and you should call it what it is, and you should find verses in the Bible that will allow you to exchange and replace the way you think for God's truth in your life. Where do I get that? 2 Corinthians 10.3, because somebody say, okay, chapter, verse, here it is. 2 Corinthians 10.3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have to demolish what? You know what a stronghold is? The Greek text says that a stronghold is a place where the enemy has set up his camp and built a fort. In your heart or in your mind. It's a fortress. And he's got little demons on the top of the fortress wall. They're the watchmen. And they're looking out for truth. They're looking out for righteousness. They're looking out for the Holy Spirit to come. And they're fighting as hard as they can. And you're the one who determines whether or not the devil is allowed to have real estate and equity in your heart and in your mind. You get to determine that. Well, the devil just keeps coming. He just keeps coming all the time. Yes, welcome to life. Welcome to Spiritual Warfare 101. He will keep coming. But listen, we have divine power to demolish. To demo What's demolish mean? Can you get a picture of demolish? That's like when they're blowing. You ever watch them blow up a building? It implodes on itself. That's so, I think that's fascinating. You ever seen a marksman with a gun shoot the core out of an apple? They demolish the apple. Sometimes they miss the whole apple goes applesauce. Listen, the Lord has given us nuclear, sorry, nuclear weaponry in the spirit to demolish the strongholds that set up their forts in our minds and in our hearts. They demolish and we demolish. And if you go on, uh, Josh, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against Against the knowledge of God. By the way, arguments, let me just help you here. Uh, arguments, the word in the Greek is diatribo. And uh, if you look up diatribe, the diatribe were people that were the debate society and they never lost a debate. They would go into a court of law and they would convince the judge, the attorneys, and the jury that the lie was the truth. They were that good. They would confuse people, they would change the way you thought. 
The word argument has to do with the rubbing out of and rubbing into. That's what it means. Rubbing out of and rubbing into. It would be like taking the coin with Caesar's head on it and the diatribo would rub out his head. They'd wear it out so the coin was smooth and you couldn't see his head anymore. It'd be like any coin that you have in your, 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 your pocket or your wallet or at home in a jar. And it would just rub it out enough to where it's just smooth. You can't tell whether it's a quarter or a 50 cent piece. It's just rubbed out. And they were so good at rubbing out and rubbing into the new way of thinking. The lie became the truth for the people that, that were, were dealing with this group called the, the diatribe or the diatribo. And here's what... The Apostle Paul says, the same guy who writes Philippians 4, he said, there are arguments that are trying to rub out the truth and erase the truth from your life and set up a stronghold and a fort and a fortress in your mind and in your heart. But we demolish them and we, we come against them and the, we, we bring the knowledge of God and we take, and we take, come on, captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Captive. Why would he do to take a captive? If your job was to take someone captive as an enemy, you would either handcuff them or you would take your rifle and your bayonet and you would jab them and you would bring them captive. Read the rest. To make it obedient to Christ. So what you do is you take the thought, right? The lie. And you bind it up and you march it over to the cross and you say, uh, excuse me, lie, excuse me, stronghold, excuse me, evil thought, Ex excuse me, demonic thinking, excuse me, stinking thinking. You're coming to the cross with me. You're going to the principal's office. You're going to the commander's office. And you're not getting a commendation. You're not getting a challenge coin. You're not getting an award. You are going to stop the way you act and the way you speak. I'm not going to allow you in my life anymore, in my home anymore, in my children's life anymore. And I'm going to bring you under the cross of Jesus Christ. And while we're there, I'm going to remind you, old evil thought, argument. I'm going to remind you that on the third day, Jesus, who said he would rise and no one believed it, they said it was a lie. They said he wasn't the son of God. On the third day, he rose again. So you're going to have to deal with the fact that I'm going to rise from this place of thinking in the newness of life, Romans 6, and I am not going to be bound by your wrong thinking anymore or anything, argument or pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We, we would have delivered people today if we lived this. Well, do you know who you are? Yes, I do. I am who he says I am. Yes, I am. We sang it in church. You can believe that song. It's true. I am a son of the most high God. Wow, you're just some pastor in Lompoc. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm a son of the most high God. And it pleased God before the foundation of the earth when he thought about me. And you know what else? Someday when I'm not here anymore, I will be with him in glory. He's reserved a spot for me in heaven. And he's also reserved a spot for me that I need to move on because it's time to quit. <laughs> hey, focus more on what you do have and less on what you don't have. You're smart. I don't need to spend much time on this. If I had this gift, I would 
If I had that opportunity, I would, if I had more money. If I had more time, boy, if I hear that again. If I had more time. If I wasn't so busy at school, I'd serve. End of story. Two guys this morning. See, fix your thoughts on this truth. I have all I need to be all of what God is calling me to become and all that God is calling me to do. You have everything you need right now to do God's will and purpose in your life right now. Do you know that? Well, if I just had more gifts. No, no, no. Whatever God's calling you to do today, he's already equipped you to do. And if he's not equipped you yet, the minute you start stepping into, walking into his purpose and his will and his call in your life, then he'll empower you. His calling is his enabling. Where God guides, he provides. And here's another one from Peter. If this wasn't enough, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Now, here's another passage of the Bible. There are several of them in Scripture that can become your life passages. Not just a life verse, a life passage. Take everything that's good and add to it. Add to it what? Well, add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, watch this, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow! So what things should you think about? Philippians 4. What should you add to your life? 2 Peter 1, 3, 8. Just like you would add an option to a car or add seasoning to a recipe. What should you add to your life? And then the next thing I think is so important is pray until you are empty of worry. Pray until you're empty of the tennis balls that shouldn't be in your life. Focus until you are full of calm. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, isn't it interesting that in Philippians 4, he tells us what to think on, and can anybody look, or does anybody remember, what's the first thing he says? Whatever is, whatever is true. Whatever is true. You with me? Jesus said, I am the way, the You shall know the and the truth will set you free. You with me? Okay. Ephesians 6 talks about the weapons of our warfare, spiritual weapons, the armor of God, right? You know what the first one is? The belt of, the belt of truth. Boy, if you catch this, you will win. The first thing Paul says, think about, is what's true. The first weapon we're to put on is the belt of truth. The swords, the daggers, everything hangs on that. When the, when the warrior would run with that dress-like garment and they'd have to go fast, they'd pull the garment up and stick it in their belt so they could run faster. Everything hinges on, it's a beautiful picture, everything hinges on what is true and what is truth. Jesus didn't say, uh, you should know good things and good things will set you free. No, you know the truth. So we start with this battle in our minds. If it's true, I will believe it. If it's not true, I will renounce it. 
If it's true about me and about my future and about my forgiveness and my mercy and eternity, I will embrace it if it's not true. If it's not true, it's not coming in our house. Hello, good morning. Kid comes home from school, says I had a rough day. Start, start, start by this. Start discerning what's true in this story and what was spoken to him or her that's a lie that caused him to be agitated and anxious. And grab that lie, take it to the cross. I'm serious, take it to the cross. Take it, take, take it, take it to the cross. Oh, that woman who uh, got involved with that man who was a scammer and a shammer, uh, she wishes she would have found the truth and taken it to the cross because she's in deep pain right now. And she's out probably $60,000, $70,000. And she doesn't have it. Okay, because she's, she's going to be in a bad way because this guy came in. Hey, baby, you're really something, you know? Really? I've been waiting all my life for somebody to tell Okay, I'm moving on. <clears throat> it's time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was uh, last week after the uh, service, someone came to me and uh, reminded me of uh, Carolyn Leaf. And uh, thank you uh, for that, by the way. I appreciate it. And I had read some of her stuff before. A Christian woman who talks about the mind and studies the mind. And here's one of her quotes. I think this is so good. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Hello? I've read cancer reports and oncologists who say there's something significant about the power of prayer in our treatment. Because people who pray have a faith and a hope, and it makes a difference when they're going through battling cancer, or when they're going through a surgery, or when they're going through a recovery. She said 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent it can be measured on a brain scan. This type of prayer seems to increase activity and in brain associated with social interaction, compassion, sensitivity to others. And, and watch this. It also increases frontal lobe activity as focus. We're talking about focus today. And intentionality increase. 12 minutes of prayer. Six in the morning, six at night. You could do that. You should pray more. Sorry, Dr. Leaf. It'll change, your, it'll, it'll change your life. You'll be renewed, Romans 12, 2, by the renewing of your mind. So we are coming to the last little half a lap here. Philippians 4, 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me. This is, this is Paul. This is Paul. Put into to practice. And then the God of peace will be with you. I think God is waiting there with a bucket load of peace just to bring to you, your family, your friends, your relationship. He's just waiting with a cargo load of peace for anybody who will follow after Philippians 4. It's not just a formula. It's a way of life to rejoice to ask for help, to leave, or to violently, abruptly fling. I'm just, here, Lord, you want it? Good. What a bargain. We give him our junk, and he gives us his peace. Ha! Don't, by the way, don't tell Jesus he's getting ripped off. 
I give you my problems, you give me your peace. I give you my pain, you give me your peace. Isn't that a good deal? I give him my unrighteousness, he gives me his righteousness. So here's some questions for you. I know some of you are in some ongoing small groups. If you're not in a small group, you're going to have a chance to sign up for some uh, coming up. But here's something you could do. If you came with a friend or a family member, I would encourage you to do this. If you came by yourself, find somebody, do this with them. If you're not, you know, that way, you want to do it. But please do this. It's in your notes. What anxiety do you need to cast, fling, throw on Christ because he cares for you? You just, just, just label it, name it, and say, Lord, I'm giving you this anxiety. What is the number one lie that you need to replace with God's truth? Come on, that's good. What do you see? Where do you see something true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or worthy of praise in your life? See, you can say that I should focus on these things. Well, where are they evident? Where do they become a part of your, your daily ritual, a part of your life where you say, I'm focusing on these, on these things? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.